automatic timer up. Dali Ali slips it through. Lucas Moura has scored! Welcome to Through the Thirds podcast with your host, Alistair Feezy. Hi guys, welcome to Through the Thirds podcast. Today we have Paul Medeiros on, who currently works for Star Academy. I met Paul on my C license back in 2018, and he was really passionate about the constraint-led approach, and hence why I wanted to bring him on here to talk about it. So Paul, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself. Yeah, Ali, thank you for having me um, on today. Very excited to talk about the constraint-led approach. I'm a little brief inter- little introduction about myself. As Ali mentioned, I coach at uh, Star Academy FC. I'm also a director of programs there where I oversee the coaches of the younger age groups and I help build a curriculum as well. Um, I currently hold my USFC license, as Ali mentioned, and I'm also a candidate for the B, for the B course. Um, a little fun, little interesting experience that I had was I was able to, I coached in Portugal for a year. It was a phenomenal experience where I was able, again, to see a different footballing culture and coach in a different language. And while I was there, I had an opportunity to visit many of the academies out there, like Benfica, and obtain a couple of certificates through the Portuguese Football Federation. Um, I also hold I'm a, I also have a bachelor's, a bachelor's of science in kinesiology and physical education. And it was during my bachelor, during my undergrad is where I developed this uh, interest for the constraint-led approach. And in my last semester of my undergrad, I was taking a couple of classes on motor development and motor learning. And we were just talking about the theories, and having discussions on the best way to teach, you know, athletes and how humans, how we as humans learn how to move and how to move our bodies. And it just led me down to this rabbit hole where I was able to, you know, do research and come to this point where I am now of the constraint-led approach. And I'm very excited to talk about it today, Ali. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, um, no, brilliant. Thanks for Thanks for coming on. Um, so basically, what do you feel a constraint-led approach is? Or what, what is a constraint-led approach? Yeah, so the constraint-led approach is, if I have to say it in one sentence, it's teaching through constraints. And what does that mean is you have your in your practices or in the exercises, you constrain the practice with variables or whatever it is and through those constraints it creates a behavior and this behavior is what you look is what you're is what you're looking for it is your objective so let's say i want to work on switching switching the field or switching the point of the, the attack i will constrain that environment to encourage that behavior so in short it's teaching through the game right brilliant Mm-hmm. And you learn, and you said you you um you kind of found more out about that in Portugal. It was quite big over there. Yeah. So while I was uh, 
while I was visiting uh, the Benfica Academy and I had opportunity to talk to some of their coaches, they are, a lot of them were exploring with this new approach of teaching with constraints. And it's not just Benfica that's been using this. I've had the opportunity to speak to a former Barcelona Academy coach. And he says right now what they're doing at Barcelona, they're also experimenting with this new coaching style. It's a very new style of coaching. It's, it's not different of what the norm is nowadays, which is as we, as all coaching, as all coaching courses you'll go to, they all talk about guided discovery. The CLA or the constraint led approach, to me, it's an upgraded version, but it's a version backed with the science of motor learning and motor development. Right. Who was the, um, who was the Barcelona Academy? Just out query. Yeah. So the, coach that I talked to in the, from the Barca Academy, his name is Rodrigo Petran. And he was actually here in South in San Francisco. And he was doing a couple of, you know, the Barca, the Barca um, Academy camps they do here. So yeah. he was one of the directors of it. And, you know, I saw him, I started talking to him about it and we had a phenomenal conversation about, this approach and what he told me in Barcelona, they're doing a, what Barcelona has is they have kind of like their own sports science department where they actually have like people that study motor development and motor learning and they do research on this and they work with local universities to develop the new, kind of like the newest way, you know, and Benfica, they're the same way too. They work closely with, from my understanding, they work closely with Lisbon University, University of Lisbon, and they work with their sports science department there. And, you know, they're bringing more science into coaching. You know, that's what they're trying um, to do. Yeah, that's great. How um, <laughs> did they kind of tell you or go into more detail about how they put it into their sessions? Yeah, so how in order to really understand the constraint-led approach i i feel you have to understand the four types of coaching styles there are right the first style is is coach centered and it's command and demand so basically the coach tells you what to do they do it the players do it the second one is the one that we're most familiar with is learner coach centered it's got a discovery the coach is still involved with the learning, but now he guides the player. The third one is learner-centered, which is you just suggest. So now, instead of guiding the player to the answer, you suggest it. So for an example, a player you're working on receiving across the body, you tell this player, hey, how about you try receiving across the body? Let's say that player received hip square. Instead of telling them, like a good, like a got to discover you tell them hey what's the best way to receive to see the whole field which suggests you say how i suggest you to open a see if you can open up your hips right and the fourth one which is the constraint led approach it's environment learner centered so you teach through the environment 
So you create the environment and the players learn through that environment. The coach is involved, right? But the coach takes more of a role where he is looking to recreate that moment or that behavior that you want. And you let the environment teach the kids. Am I saying that this is a passive approach where the coach just stands on the side and doesn't say anything? No, that's not correct. It takes elements of all of the past three that I talked about of coach-centered, learner-coach-centered, and learner-centered. So it takes command and demand, guided discovery, and suggest. It combines them, and it makes the environment, it makes this one the CLA. But the coach more role is how can I create the environment? It's all about creating the environment. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, there's one thing I was going to ask you. Totally slipped my mind. Anyway, how um, does this, I'm guessing this links into nonlinear pedagogy. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So the constraint led approach as we, we all hear this in our coaching coaching, coaching uh, licenses. We all hear about the nonlinear pedagogy teaching through the games, right? And I think an important thing that many coaches, they need to understand is that teaching through the games is actually a coaching style or a coaching approach that was developed in the 1960s, actually. So it's over 60, it's 60 years old, this approach. And this approach was developed actually in Britain where it's actually two PE teachers they are wondering how can I get the most out of my players and they told they are talking like hey we could put our kids in 1v1s 2v2s to increase the engagement right so throughout the years all of that we got into where we are right now with coaching courses do is teaching through games the problem with that and the problem that we that we see with that is many coaches they don't fully understand what it means to teach through games and this could be very controversial controversial to many to many um, coaches but sometimes the small sided games that coaches make don't make any sense because they don't relate to the game right you could put kids in a 2v2 right sometimes the di exercise the coach does makes no sense to the game. So it's how do you design the practice with constraints to make it what you want from the kids. And that's what it leads to the nonlinear pedagogy, which is teaching through multiple variables. So you put the kids in an environment, right? It could be a 2v2, 1v1, whatever you want to do. And you let the kids explore explore different options so that is what the non-linear pedagogy is right you teach yeah. through the games but how do you do it is you have one side where they teach of the one that we're most familiar with is they doesn't really take account the constraints of that environment while the cla is we constrain the environment to promote a specific action through the game so would you say um play practice pray is play practice play sorry is a constraint led approach um it is not that is not the constraint led approach right. um because it's not that because what you try to do and this is what i do with my how i design my practices with this approach is first 
I start off, I have three layers. The first layer is imagery, imagery and concepts. So what that is, is I teach the basic concept of my objective. Then from that exercise, I go into condensed tactical. So I take this moment of the game that I want and I condense it down. It could be a 4v4, it could be a 6v5, it could be whatever it is. And then the third one is I go into a game. So it's, for me, it's imagery, concepts, condensed tactical, game. So you kind of like, it's a progression. It's a uh, progression that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. So give us an example of imagery concepts, kind of, is this kind of your like session layout you mean? Yes. So this is how I design my sessions to, um, this is how I design my sessions for the constraint led approach. Like for an example, what I would do is let's say my objective, hold on, let me pull up a session real quick and I can give you a, a good example that I did for this um this season okay so for an example my objective for this practice was switching the point of the attack in the defensive third keep it basic right the concept that i wanted the kids to understand was field of view that was the imagery field of view and that is you know your body orientation how do you receive across your body your first touch so my first exercise was basically I have, if I can describe it, I have all the kids on the outside. I had kids in the outside with a ball and I put players inside without a ball. And I told the players in the outside, okay, your job is to find a player on the inside. The player in the inside receives the ball and they try to find someone in the outside. So with that exercise, that imagery exercise, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create that behavior of the kids opening up their hips so they can see the field and then they're scanning and looking right and then there's progressions i add in there i throw in defenders and then i say that you have to you have to find the deepest option you have to pass further so there's a lot of variables i go into it so basically it's body orientation that could be like a conceptual a conceptual that you can do um weight of your pass it could be passing angles it could be whatever you decided to be based on your objective so it's basically very simple in a um it's very simple it's a very simple idea right yeah interesting mm -hmm. do you have to i'm guessing you've got to take in your style of play so that you know all your um things you want to achieve really oh totally totally and in order to understand the constraint-led approach you have to know your style of play if you do not have your style of play you cannot teach in this um in this approach and the reason for that is because when you constrain your environment you want to constrain it in order to promote what you want from your athletes so you have to provide some guidance because this this is what it is right the constraint-led approach could be very tactical and it doesn't have to be tactical it can be tactical where it can be applied a lot for the older age groups. And it also can be, it also can be applied to the younger age groups. Like I use this for my 2011 and 2012 boys, the constraint led approach. Now, in order to achieve it, you need to have a style of play for both age groups on what, what I want my 2011, 2012 to be doing and what I want my 
2004s would be doing. Of course, there's going to be differences or not, right? With my 2011, 2012s, I want them to be comfortable with the ball, dribbling. I want them to take people in the 1v1, more of ball familiarity, right? So I designed my practices for those younger ones to promote that, to promote those 1v1s, to promote those 1v0s, to promote taking players on, the when to find a pass. How do you, how do I create? One of the biggest questions I tell my players is, how do you create a dribbling lane? Like the players on the ball, how do you create a dribbling lane? And there, that's when I start to instill my game model because naturally the players, the 2011s, 2012s, going to say, oh, if I spread out, I'm creating a dribbling lane and I can dribble the ball. So it's how do you tailor your, you have to have your game model or your style of play and how do you simplify it for the age groups that you have? So that's why I say that it can be very tactical and it doesn't have to be very tactical. It's just how you gauge it at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. So it has to obviously has to link into your game model, has to link into your style of play. Without that. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, did you kind of feel that off the Barcelona and Benfica coaches when you were talking to them? They were so big on game model, style of play. Oh, they, they are huge on the game model and style of play. They say if a coach does not have a style of play, they have no direction. You know, you have no di- – because how are you able to – how are you able to teach the, your players what you want? You know, the thing is, Ali, all coaches, they have an idea of how they want to play. They all do. But now it's about sitting down and really, really – thinking and critically thinking of how you want to play. And the thing is, you might say, oh, I want to play like Barcelona. Oh, I want to play like Manchester City or I want to play like Liverpool, whatever the case is. But the thing is, what I tell a lot of people when we talk about game models and style of play is don't look to copy what other people do. Go with what you feel, how you would like to play as a coach, because once you understand like how you want to play and how you want to, how you want the game to be played, how you want to, um, for the, the kids to understand the game, you have to, you really have to think about it and then you can simplify it for your age groups. And then that's when you could teach the constraint led approach. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's what I've been kind of doing this last year, working on my game <laughs> model, figuring out, how I enjoy and how I see the game. I mean, like you exactly. said, you get a lot of copycats out there. Oh, we play like Barcelona, you know? Yeah. Okay, Okay. cool. But you're not Pep Guardiola. You're not, you know. Exactly, exactly. You have to create your own ideas. And it's not, it's, it's nothing wrong by taking, I don't want to say you're taking ideas, but, you know, what I like to do is I like to look at other coaches and see what they do and get little ideas and, like, critically think, of what I do and look at other coaches to critically think, oh, this is what they do. And this is honestly how it led me to the constraint-led approach, Ali. As you know, like all the coaching licenses that we take and you hear a lot, they talk about the guided discovery, how you want to teach through games. And you can go online and you can find thousands of exercises of, of exercises that teach through the game. But sometimes when I look at those exercises, I'm like, that exercise makes no sense. Like a good example that I like to talk about a lot, and you see this a lot, is players, coaches, they have two target players. 
and they go at 3v3 in the middle. I look at that exercise and I say, that is that exercise, this can be very controversial to many coaches. That exercise makes no sense at all. It makes no sense because right. the exercise, you can say, oh, but the exercise is open. Oh, that exercise, they every action they do is different. I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. But the problem is you are not recreating the game. A coach could say, oh, but I'm using this exercise to break a line, to break lines, to teach my players how to break lines. I'm like, okay, look closely how that team is defending and then look closely on how the attacking team's attacking. What you would see and what I see a lot is teams, they start the defending team, they all go man-on-man. That's the first problem that happens. And the second problem is the attacking team, what usually happens, they all go towards the target player sometimes, depending on the skill of the team. But that's what I see all the time. And I say that exercise is a perfect example of you're teaching through the games, but you have no constraints. You have no constraints at all. So if I was, for example, a constraint-led approach to that exercise would be you cut the field, you cut the field in half. So you cut the field um, vertically, right? And you have two squares. And you tell the target players, targets, you cannot play the targets. And then you say to the defending team, you can have at max two players, two players on the defensive side. So let's say the ball on the ball near um, channel. So let's say the ball is with target player A, right? The defenders, two defenders can be next in that grid, next to target A. Then I would say only two attackers are allowed to be in that grid as well. And one attacker has to be in the other one, right? Then you start to create more of that breaking lines and you start to promote better behaviors. Or if you want, you can even tell this, you give no restrictions to the defending team. They move anywhere you want and you add a restriction to the attacking team. And you say, hey, the attacking team, you have to have two players on the opposite side of the ball. You can also do that as well. So those are little solutions, right? This is just one that I thought up on the spot, to be honest, but those are little constraints that you can add to your environment to promote a specific behavior that you that you want. So are we saying that the strength that approach is like condition-based then? Yes, it's condition-based. It is condition-based, but you condition it according to the game. That's what you're looking to do. So, okay, a good example is this, right? And I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask you, Ali, how you would design this practice, okay? Oh, or this exercise. Just, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna ask you, we can have a discussion about it. Let's say the objective is switch a play. How would you design a practice with let's say a 4v4 how would you design a practice of switch a play with a 4v4 something very basic and i know i've done it before is just put channels in the field and you have to visit both wide channels before you go score perfect so that that exercise there and i'm not gonna let's go through that exercise so with that exercise it limits what switch of play actually is, to be honest. And this is the reason why I would say that. 
because you get rid of the ability of the players when they switch the field, what can they do? What are they going to do? You're going to tell them to switch again? No, you switch the field, you go forward. And then you yeah. start to say, what happened to that player actually does have space to go forward, right? Let's say the coach serves the ball in, there's space. And the coach and the kid's like, oh, I can't go forward. I have to go to the other side. So it's those kind of limitations. You start to yeah. inhibit what the game is truly about, right? Which is what? Scoring goals to go forward. So how would I would approach this objective, right? Or this that exercise i would go like you did i'll go with three i'll go with three channels okay i'll put a goal in the middle in the middle um and where the goal line starts to be two goals and then my center channel will be a little bit bigger my outside channel is a little bit narrower and the restriction will be this the defending team in order to defend they must occupy the center channel and the channel that the ball is in now, what does that create, that exercise? That exercise starts to recreate the game because what do defending teams typically do? They slide according to the ball, right? Most teams, they go zonal that we play against. So they're all going to slide to the ball side to make it compact. And that starts to create, like I've mentioned before, you are recreating the game. So because the defending team is sliding over, that's what the kids are going to see in the game. They're going to see defending teams slide over. Defending teams are always going to keep this, you know, control the central channel, keep it compact. They're going to try to limit any progression down the wide areas. And that's going to allow the players to switch the play. Now, what I like to do, and this is how the constraint-led approach embodies all the, the, four, the, the style of coaches, the, style, the coaching styles out there, is let's say – this player, you know, the defensive team is sliding over and this, my, uh, my focus team keeps trying to force the ball through. Okay. I'll stop it and I'll bring them in and I'll tell the attacking team, I'll tell them this. What is the restriction on the defending team? What is the restriction on the defending team? So now I'm using what? Guided discovery, right? The players will say, oh, they're, they are, um, the restriction is that they have to slide over. They have to occupy the ball near channel and the center channel. Then I will follow up and say, say, what do you think you, what, what can be done? Now I'm using kind of, it's a kind of a mixture of guided discovery and I'm suggesting, right? So I'm using both of those. So now what I'm doing, I'm telling the kids, right? That defensive team is gonna, it's sliding over. So the space is gonna be where? On the opposite side. So now the kids are, you know, they start playing. Now they start to see that because now I constrain the environment in a way that mimics the game. And that's what all the constraint ladder approach is all about is I constrain the environment to create a, a behavior that mimics the game. And the kids get a lot of repetition of switching, switching the field. Right. That's pretty, I don't know if uh, I did a good job explaining. Nah, yeah. You did, yeah, you did a really good job. I struggle with, um, talking like to get a visual but uh, if i understand it i think a lot of people can mm-hmm. um so would you say constraint-led approach is more a method method methodology or a coaching style because you mentioned about guided discovery um command style you yeah so, or coaching style or it's kind of a mix of the both so it's kind of 
I would say it's more of a methodology, to be honest, because it takes a lot of, um, first, you have to know your style of play, as we mentioned before. And two, you have to, it's a mixture of the different methodologies, like guided discovery, you have command and demand, you have suggesting, right? So it's a, it's a methodology, right? But it's just a different approach, how you go about it. And the difference between what we see very commonly in our coaching courses, right, is you are, you are looking to create that environment, right? That's all you're doing. You look to create that environment, right? Because most coaching courses, Ali, you remember this during our C course, right? Is they told us, all right, put the kids in a, use half a field, put them in a, play them in a 7v7 or a 6v7. You know, let's say we're playing, we're doing build up from the back. What they tell us, have your back, your back four, your midfield three. And then you play against a, a front three and a midfield three. To me, that is not the constraint led approach. It is not at all. It's an approach of more, does it have the same ideas? Yes. But it's more in terms of how we see the, how we see a lot of our coaching courses are, right? It has nothing to do with constraints because we're not constraining that environment, right? You could say, oh, you are because it's the game. Absolutely, it's the game. But you're putting the players in an environment where you're not promoting a certain objective, right? Like building out from the back. To me, that's a very broad talk. It's very broad. You have to look to simplify it. And that is why you have to know your game model. If you don't, or your style of play, if you don't know your style of play, the closest sessions that you're going to pull, that you're going to have to the constraint-led approach are those that you see in the coaching courses of you put the back four, midfield three versus the midfield three and the front three. That's the closest you get. And you do a broad topic of building from the back. Building from the back, that's too broad. You have to go, you know, you have to look to simplify it even more. You know, like the Portuguese, like the Portuguese coaches, what they like to do is you have your, your sub-principles, right? Like what sub-principles are you trying to work with? Or what are your grand principles that you're trying to work with? So it's, it's a lot of details. That's why I say you have to sit down and really think about like how you want to play, what part of the field. Um, it's, <laughs> it gets a little bit crazy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great though. Like, you know, learning about it. And that's why I brought you on there to kind of explain it a little bit more in detail, which is certainly what we're, what we're hitting. Um, so how, uh, could be hmm, trying to think when you talk to the Barcelona guy, the Benfica guy as well, how did they introduce it to their trainings? Were they, were, did they kind of live by it or was it more, um, they'd use other methods as well? They, they really didn't explain to me in full depth of how they go about it, to be honest, because, you know, they're very secretive, you know, yeah. they don't want other people knowing what's going on. Um, pretty much what they told me was that they focus 
on constraining the environment and trying to mimic the game. Um, and they just said, what they told us basically is they like to do a lot of exercises that promote a lot of variability where basically there's many different outcomes in one exercise. And it all depends on the day too. I don't want to get even, I don't want to get more, you know, technical with what yeah. on what they do, but from my understanding of what they told me was they like to do a lot of varied practices where the kids are getting, they're trying to mimic the game and they look to constrain those exercises according. But again, it all depends on where they are in their periodization. Is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? Where their match date falls into. So they didn't want, they didn't go into much depth into, into this to me, unfortunately. No, that's fine. <laughs> one day. Yeah, one day, one day. <laughs> right. So essentially, constraint that approach is mainly the environment and the organization of the session. Is that what we're aiming Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. And, and the cool part about the constraint-led approach is that there are, it's backed up by science and it's backed up by two theories of dynamical systems and ecological psychology. So this, these two, these two theories are backed up. Like this is real research has been done on this. And it shows that the reality is, Ali, you have to put, you have to bring science in the coaching. You know, there has to be, and it has, whatever you do as a coach, how you teach, you have to go back it up with research, right? You know, it's like, let's say you go to the doctor, right? And the doctor's like, oh, I, you have two doctors. One doctor says, oh, I've been, uh, I have 20 years of, 20 years of experience of being 20 years of experience, but this guy, you know, what he does is not backed up by anything. There's no research, no schooling, nothing. And you have this other doctor that has experience and he has all his certificates and everything. He went to school for it and everything. Which one are you going to go to? I'll go to the guy that has, you know, the experience, has the, um, has the credentials versus the other guy that just has experience. To me, that's why you, to me, you need to do your coaching needs to be backed up by research. You know, I'm a big, big uh, fan of research. I think the future of coaching is going to be that, especially for the grassroots like we are right now. It's you have to bring science back into coaching. You know, there has to be some sort of science in there and understand what these theories are and understand how kids learn. And it's not just how kids learn. It's how we as humans learn how to move. How do we move in our environment? Right. And sport is no different. How do we move in that specific environment of sport? So it's, it's basically bringing science back into it, you know, because you, I've talked to this to many coaches and they say the kids, this doesn't apply to younger kids. Others say this only applies to older kids. Others say they don't develop their technique at all. Others say you ignore um, the technical development. It's too tactical. They don't get enough of the ball. And I disagree with all of them. I disagree with all of them. It's how for my 2011 and 2012 boys, I apply these principles. I apply these principles of constraints 
And these kids, if you look at my practices, it looks like any other practice of a 2v1. Like for example, like I do a 2v1, you can have one coach that does a 2v1 that does, you know, the methodology of, you know, the kids play and you don't constrain the environment. Then you look at mines, I constrain the environment. And if you look at both of the practices, the ones that are learning the most are in my practice because they're learning through the environment. I'm creating that game stimulus at the end of the day. Well, that one, there's really isn't that game stimulus. It, the coach needs to be more involved in that other practice of that 2v1 because the environment isn't really teaching them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, total sense. Yeah. Total sense. So um, just to summarize and kind of some, do you want to uh, kind of just summarize it up for us? Constraint that approach. Yeah. Um, so the, to summarize it, it's basically in order to fulfill the constraint led approach, one, you got to have your style of play. You need your style of play. Second, you have to understand, you have to understand the game. And what I mean by understanding the game is you have to understand how do specific behaviors happen. Like example, switch a play. The third thing you need to know is how can I constraint that environment to promote that behavior? For example, my three rule of thumb on how do I constrain the environment is the space. As example, with my switch of play, I constrain the spaces that the defenders can use. Um, the goals, the, the goals, how do they score goals? right? That's a way that you can constrain the environment. Opposition, what the opposition can do, like with the defending team, I told them you can only occupy the ball near channel and the center channel and teammates, right? What can the attacking team do? Because you can also add restrictions on what the attacking team can do as well. You don't want to add restrictions of you can only make two touches or you have to make five passes before you can go forward. No, it's not that. You add restrictions in terms of more of kind of like their positioning on the field, right? Um, so that's basically my rule of thumb is space. It's the spacing, what spaces they can use, the scoring methods, what they do, rules, what they do on and off the ball. Those are the four ways how I constrain my, my environment. That's great. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. It's all based upon realism and the game. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't want coaches to get confused and think I have to be doing exercises of 6v5 or 7v7, 99. No, not at all. You can do it with exercises of 2v1 or 3v2. It's all up to the imaginary. You have to sorry, the creativity of the coach. How creative are you? Now, the thing is what happens, you just don't want to get overwhelmed and start adding so many conditions, right? Because I've seen, you know, when I was first starting with this approach, I added way too many constraints and that starts to inhibit the flow of the exercise. So one thing as a coach is look to add one or two constraints and that's it. And that's it. You don't want to add too many, then the kids become overwhelmed. And then again, your exercise has no flow. There's too much, uh, as I like to say, stop and go. It's like stop and go traffic. 
You know, they play a little bit, stop. Play a little bit, stop. That's a problem, right? So you want to promote more uh, fluidity in the exercise. Oh, fantastic. That's brilliant, Paul. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So just before you go, I'm kind of doing it with this with everyone. What um, within your club? What are you doing within this tough time as a coach? This period and COVID, COVID nineteen. What have you been doing with your teams? What have you been doing with your club? How have you been keeping you know kids active? How you've been staying active as well? Yeah, it's it's a very strange time. You know, it's something that you experience once in a lifetime. And what we have been doing. Uh, we have, we have. I'm hoping with our online curriculum that we sent out to the kids, where it consists of like videos that we, the coaches, make. We go to the, we do it at our house in our backyard. We do some exercises that they can do in a five by five. We show them the exercises. Um, we do some. We I treat we treating it more like school, right? We bring the classroom to them. Where how I broke it down is they have a physical, they have a physical objective a technical objective and a mental objective. And every week we give them, we give them that. They do it for us. They send a video of the exercises. They send us their reflection or the mental, whatever the assignment is. And throughout the week, we also do some virtual sessions. We do some virtual coaching where we bring the kids in um, with the coach. And I just do a, a exercise with them. So I, through Zoom, or we do it through Zoom, the kids watch me do the exercise, the kids do it, and I just watch them do it. Um, and I just do corrections and all that. It's hard, you know, it's very different, but at this time, it's a good opportunity for many coaches how they use technology, right? I know some people are not the most tech savvy, but it's a good way to, you know, try and challenge and try new things out. And of course, as coach is a perfect time to really think about who you are as a coach, what you want as a coach, how you want to play. And it's a good time basically to do a lot of reflection that I've been doing um, for myself. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a weirdly, really enjoyable time. <laughs> I feel you're getting a lot yeah. done. Yeah, it's been a lot, it, reading a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I think it's a good time for a lot of personal development. As I told my players, this is the best time to develop the skill of self-discipline. Like how disciplined are you to do your exercises every day? You know, and how badly do you want it? You know, because you have two you have players, you know, you ask any player, what what do you want from the sport? I would a majority of them are going to say, I want to go professional. I want to play college. I want, you know, they all have goals to play in the highest, the highest, the highest. But the thing is you have two types of players. You have those who like it and those who love it, right? The ones that like it, you know, they just practice when, when there's team practice, the ones that love it actually go about it. And also Ali, this is what I've been thinking about a lot. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it too. It's that it, a lot of kids here in the States, and especially, you know, you could probably see this because you come from England, from England, is that kids here are too used to structured practice. They're so used to someone telling them what to do. And I think that's, this is a good opportunity to break that cycle, to be honest. 
Oh, massive, massive. That's what I've. We've got to use it as a positive. Exactly. We've got to use it as a positive. Exactly. Exactly. And I think because it's going to be, I feel it's going to be quite long. Yeah. It's going to go on for a lot longer. I feel like you said you're breaking down routines of players. You're breaking down habits and they're going to start to introduce new habits which is going to be more beneficial for them absolutely so in the long run it can yeah in the long run it will help the players out even more you know the ones that create that self-discipline and create those goals and everything and also for us coaches too it's a good opportunity to to learn and grow massively well paul mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on it was a real um real pleasure having you on thank you ali thoughts. i appreciate and, um, it and yeah Hope you all guys enjoyed that. And um, thank you. Thank you, Ali. Thank you. Yep. That was Paul Medeiros on how we can introduce the constraint led approach into our trainings. As you can tell, Paul is very passionate and knowledgeable on this topic. I've learned a lot from Paul within this podcast and I'm hoping you all have too. Don't forget to follow and subscribe us through the Thirds podcast and also follow AF Coach Soccer on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks a lot.